This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right. Hello and welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Jake and I are both back today. Um, well, I should say I'm back. Jake was here last week. But um, Jake held it down last week, so I want to thank Jake for holding it down last week. And uh, I want to thank Parker Johns for hosting us the week before that on Thursday night to talk about the Packers. So um, we're going to talk about the Packers today. We're going to talk about the Badgers today. And we're going to talk about the Bucks today. Uh, we're going to postpone talking about Badger basketball until next Wednesday. Uh, when they have a couple more games in, and we have a little bit of a uh, little bit more of a sample size to talk about them, and um, also before we start tonight is Cy Young Award announcement. So we are on full Corbin Burns Cy Young Award watch. So uh, keep an eye out for that tonight. But we're going to start with the Packers offense versus the Seahawks defense. We're going to do some recap. And uh, Jake, what did you think about the Packers offense? Uh, t- it's, you know, uh, come f- first of all, welcome, I'd like to say. Uh, last week did not feel natural for me. Uh, I'm very happy to have you back. Uh, Wisco Fanatics is the new asshole for me. So, Packers offense, I mean, Rodgers had a pretty good game, I thought. Like, it was, like, it was okay. It wasn't, like, what we're used to from Rodgers. No, we're, we're pretty spoiled over here. Uh, we, we get shown, you know, Aaron Rodgers, and he's just nice, shiny car. And, you know, last week he just kind of played like a, a new regular Toyota. Like he was dependable. He was there, but he wasn't he wasn't outstanding. Um, he went 23 to 37, 292 yards. He had no touchdowns and the one pick. Um, 75 rating, which is like you can win with that, but that's not what we expect out of Aaron Rodgers. You know, Rodgers and this defense now, now is why we think – we're championship caliber. Um, had a nice game, but overall, I thought you know a lot of people on the offense played pretty bad. I think we are we're getting to the point now where we kind of need Bakhtiari back. You know, to solidify the offensive line again because Royce Newman is looking very rough the last couple of weeks. Billy Turner was in a couple times last week, so if we can get Bakhtiari back and up to speed, uh, it'd be really really big for us to just be able to have the left left side of the line solid. 
We could slide over the protection to the right side and kind of just figure things out from there. It'd be nice, too, to not have to worry about having a tight end or a running back to stay behind and block every play also because you can trust the left side of your line a little more. Um, so that would be that would be something right. nice, especially with uh, Deguara. I mean, he looks okay at times, but um, I don't know. His, his route running isn't isn't a hundred percent there yet. I mean, you got to kind of think of him as a rookie this year because he only played what three games last year and he didn't play a ton of snaps. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, you, you got to think point. of Deguara pretty much as a rookie at this point, but yeah. I mean, if you, you know, if you're having to keep an extra tight end in every play to help block, that's taking away opportunities for other tight ends to fill the Robert Tunyon role. Uh, now yeah. with Deguara, I mean, his play wasn't very impressive. So I'm looking at Dominique Daphne and maybe even Tyler Davis to maybe get some opportunity this week to see if they can uh, help fill that role. But looking at the Packers offense, I mean, it could have been, it probably should have been a 20 to zero game, but I mean, Mason Crosby missed a field goal, which if you take away the Bengals game doesn't happen very often, but um, MVS made a nice catch on that drive. And then a questionable holding call kind of really, put him in a bad spot, but I mean, they're trying to get the run game going. Um, we're going to see a lot of AJ Dillon this week. So we talked about it. Jake and I did about um, what we think is going to happen to replace Aaron Jones in the one to two week absence that he's going to have minimum. And if the Packers are winning games, they're not going to rush Aaron Jones back. Mm-hmm. Um They'll, you know, they'll let it be a three to four week injury if they're winning without him. So Jake and I were kind of considering kicking around some ideas of potential replacements for Aaron Jones while he's injured. So Jake, let me hear, let me hear what you're thinking about potential Aaron Jones replacements. Well, first, uh, I was kind of thinking, and I heard about the carry on Johnson, you know, us looking at him and then I'm kind of thinking, yeah, yeah. I mean, at that point I'm thinking, why not just run with Patrick Taylor? I mean, Packers have to do in-house, next man up stuff the way it is. And I'm thinking, you know, Patrick Taylor might just be the guy. They're going to give the, you know, the lion's share of carries to A.J. Dillon anyways. He'll probably end up getting 20-plus carries in the next two weeks. Then we have a bye week. Yep, which is nice. uh, That's going to be a a clutch bye week. Oh, my God. You know, remember when we were so happy? We were like, dude, we always get an early bye week, and now we have a late one, and it's like, oh, it's going to be fantastic. You know, that could be something that can help us with Big Z, maybe with Jair. I mean, that's something that's going to be absolutely massive for us. Uh, we'll get there I feel we like the week after um, the bye, they're going to be targeting returns for a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah. And guess guess who's going to that game, baby? The Bears, baby. I'm ready. Sunday night. We have to uh, focus on our pretend rival, the Minnesota Vikings, because we don't really worry about them, right? Um, but, you know, I'm thinking A.J. Dillon, you know, against the Vikings this week on the road, and then against the Lions, or the uh, Lions, the Rams, they look like the Lions. Right now. I thought of Matthew Stafford <laughs> the Lions. Uh, the Rams, who, my God, they look terrible right now. Do they not? Matthew I mean, they look back-to-back back weeks. Well, so do the Buccaneers. They both look very beatable right now. Here's the thing with the Buccaneers. I want to say this. I was thinking about this. The Buccaneers did this last year, where they kind of struggled in the middle of the season. And then the last, I'd say, five weeks of the year, they got insanely hot. And then Tom Brady carried that New England mindset. By the way, I got something to say about everything. Um, And then he just got hot right before the playoffs. I got to ask you a question. Did 
Did you see Bill Belichick's interview today? No. Okay, so a reporter asked Bill Belichick, oh, how come you guys always have a knack for, you know, starting to get hot right before the playoffs? And you guys are really starting to play well and blah, blah, blah. Starting to look at the old days, defense, blah, right? And Bill Belichick's just sitting there licking his chops. He's just like, you know, leave it out. we got to play good the entire season. <laughs> and I was just like, that's just a total Bill answer. Like, it looks so bad. And then they look so like, crazy. Um, Patriots look pretty dangerous right now, though. But the Rams, uh, AJ Dillon will definitely begin the line share carries in the next two weeks. All right. So <clears throat> when I was when I was first posing this question to Jake, I was kind of planning on this being like a five or six week injury where they'd have to bring in a free agent. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people asking if the Packers should bring in Le'Veon Bell. Um, I just wanted to kind of get your get your thoughts on that because I think the Packers they're not looking to necessarily replace Aaron Jones. They're going to be looking to replace some pass catching out of the backfield because AJ Dillon already can give you what you need in the running game, um, yeah. and he showed some uh, he showed some nifty footwork uh, last week with the the catch and run that he had. It was like a forty five yard play or something like that. Um, but uh, he's shown that he's got yarder. it was 50. All right, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to say 50, but it didn't feel right. Um, but so, I mean, you know, AJ Dillon, he's shown he can kind of do some work in the passing game, but he's not going to be the six, seven, eight reception guy that Aaron Jones is. He's more in that three or four range. But, um, what do you think about Le'Veon Bell? I mean, I'm seeing a lot of people, a lot of people asking the question. Um, so personally, I'm gonna. Some question back to some other people. Um, have you watched any Ravens games? Uh, because he does not look very good, in my opinion. Uh, um, I would say no to Le'Veon Bell. He's not the same Le'Veon Bell as he was in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So, for me, I'm going to say no. Uh, I don't know how you feel. Uh, there might be a guy out there. Uh, he used to play for Washington. Chris I believe he was a really pass them. I think last last I, I, last I saw he was in Jacksonville. I don't know if he still is or not. That might be a guy. I mean, that's the only name I could really think of, of like a low tier guy rental for a few years. Let me look once. Um, I'm looking up. All right. So for me, my thought with with Le'Veon Bell is that obviously like you, you mentioned, you hit the nail on the head that he's not what he used to be. He's not Pittsburgh Le'Veon Bell, obviously. So, I mean, I mean, you could bring him in and see what he looks like. Chris Thompson is a free agent, by the way. So that's a, that's a good, that's a good thought. Um, But for me, the guy that I had at the top of my list was also Patrick Taylor. Um, What I could also see potentially happening is maybe even, um, Randall Cobb or Amari Rogers lining up next to Aaron Rodgers once once or twice in the game, and um, I think we're going to see the Packers run through the air a little bit in this game. Um, stuff like wide receiver screens to Devontae because I mean we've talked about it. You know he can um, he uses his route running ability with the ball in his hands to go and break ankles and break tackles. So yeah. I mean, you can run through the air a little bit with Devontae. You know get MVS and Lazard out in front of him to help him block and run through the air a little bit, and then you're going to see a, a steady dose of, of A.J. Dillon. So um, I agree with you that Patrick Taylor is probably the answer there, but um, 
I mean, Rogers, as far as Rogers is concerned, he looked, he looked kind of rusty um, on that interception. I don't know if he was feeling that he needed to force that ball there because DeGuara was open earlier in that play. I saw so many people on Twitter throwing shade at Rogers for not hitting DeGuara when he was open. And somebody said if, if DeGuara was Jordy on that play, that would have been a touchdown before the pressure was even there. And <laughs> no. don't compare Josiah DeGuara to Jordy Nelson because Josiah DeGuara was probably like the fourth read on that play. Maybe the third. But he probably looked Devontae, running back Devontae, Lazard, then back to Devontae, and then saw DeGuara, and instead of throwing the ball away like he does 99% of the time in that situation, he just threw a bad interception. Um, yeah, I have no idea why he did that. I don't either. I couldn't think of any reason why he threw that. I mean, like I said, 99 times out of 100, he throws that ball away. But mm-hmm. um, we talked about it. I don't, I don't know if they're going to bring anybody in. They worked out Carry on Johnson, and they added a guy. His name is Kareth White. Uh, he spent some time on the Bills practice squad and the Bears practice squad. Uh, he's like insanely fast. He has like the second fastest combine speed in NFL history, NFL combine history. So um, maybe he gets some work on special teams. And I know a guy who will like him. Ah, yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. So, I mean, do you is there anything else you want to talk about with the offense? I mean, <sighs> it wasn't wasn't bad, it wasn't great. I mean, you you need to press Devontae or he will torch you. I mean, this is kind of why I wanted OBJ. Uh it feels like we need another playmaker. Um they use Lazard in the short game. Uh they took that away pretty good. Um they use MVS to go long after the First catch, they took that away. Uh, really, I mean, outside of that, after those two, it was really just the running game, and then it was throw it to Tanyan. That was that was how we were manufacturing points, and then Rogers just being Rogers, creating stuff out of his back. Um, so we need another. Somebody needs to. That was supposed to be Devin Funches in the beginning of the year. We had a chance to go get uh, OBJ. We didn't go get OBJ, so it's like. Now it's it's on them. Before and Rogers have to figure it out. That's how I feel. Yeah, and we'll see. We'll see who it ends up being that gets involved more. Um, maybe it is AJ Dillon. Um, last year yeah. when Aaron Jones missed some time, he Aaron uh, AJ Dillon had a big opportunity in that Tennessee Titans game, and he flourished in that opportunity. So uh, that was as a rookie, not even a second year player who has a defined role. I mean. Um, so, you know, we could see that version of A.J. Dillon this week where he knows going into this game that he's the guy and this is a run-first team and he's a run-first running back. And um, it's going to be a lot of eyes on A.J. Dillon this week. So I'm excited for him. But um, do you have anything else you want to talk about with the offense before we talk about the defense, which is actually a fun thing to talk about these days? No. All right, let's talk about the Packers defense. What do you want to say? Oh, man, what don't I want to say? Holy crap. So, jeesh, man. Uh, I wrote down my top and all three of them are defense. Um, so, first of all, 
Russell Wilson come back on first game, and I tried to warn Seahawks fans coming to Lambeau. It's gonna be all day, like it's not like it's gonna be a rough day for him. Twenty of forty, hundred and sixty-one yards on his pass attempts, two interceptions. Really could have been three. Amos dropped a yep. third one. Twice. Twice he almost had the third yeah. one. Good receivers, right? Mecca, three catches, 26 yards, eight targets. Tyler Lock, two catches, 23 yards, eight targets. To shut those dudes down without Jair. That's next level. Yeah, that, that is next level. So I have some stats. Um, do you want me to say my, my, my stars? Sure. I mean, two of mine are on the defense, but um, they're position groups. So. <laughs> Okay, uh, I'll say mine real quick. I got a little thing to say about my number one star, and then uh, I'll let you go. So, my first star is Adrian Amos. He did play a great game. He was that center fielder, uh, four tackles, three solo, three passes defense, two dropped interceptions in there, and an interception that he did catch, which was he made a really, really great play on that first one that he dropped. I was like, oh, man, he's wide open. And all of a sudden, I saw Amos' chest, and I was like, oh, okay, he knows where the ball is. So he was tracking down the field. He should have had that one. But anyways, Eric Stokes is number two, man. Eric Stokes, man. Holy sheesh. This guy (laughs) is freaking good. 47 coverage snaps, four targets, no receptions, no yards. That's a rookie. That is a freaking rookie. Put Jair on the other side. What are you doing? Dude, you, you remember at the beginning of the year when we drafted him and we were like, who is Eric Stokes? And then we were like, oh, okay, yes. I like this guy. And then we're like, oh, this guy's going to be good. Oh, this guy's going to be good. And then he gets the opportunity. And, and, damn, this guy's good. Yeah, yeah. We're at the point now where like, we went from who the hell is he? Damn, he's good. Number one corner. The, yeah, the and that's in what, six months? Yeah, he has, man, he's got that closing speed, man. It's incredible. Um, so my number one star, I'm going to apologize, not on my behalf, not on your behalf, but on behalf of what I would call the special Packers fans that freaked out after week one. My number one star mm. is Joe Barry. Word. This man has come in here and just completely changed this defense, dude. You know, we went to that first practice and right away we saw him being fired yep. up. You know, he was detoriented. You know, he is, you know, he crosses his T's and dots his eyes. He, doesn't miss a thing, okay? This was a great hire. Got some cool stats, man. Uh, I'm sure some of them you've already heard, and some that I just did by myself. So the first one is the Packers have not allowed a point in six quarters. Yep. That's 20 drives worth. So 20 straight drives against our defense, zero points. So opposing quarterbacks, Field Yates, he wrote all this stuff out, and I thought this was great numbers for us. Completion percentage, 56%. That's dead last in the NFL. Yards per attempt, 6.7. That's 31st in the NFL. So second last. Interceptions, 10. That's the second most in the entire league. This is all without Jair Alexander. The Packers are sixth in turnover margin. They have caused 16 turnovers, 11 interceptions now. 
and five fumbles. So then I wanted to break one thing down, the last five games, the points that we've given up, because I was really, really interested because I'm like, man, this team is on fire right now with defense. So Chicago, Washington, Arizona, Kansas City, and Seattle. I totaled up all the points. It was 58. So so 58 points over the last five games is 11.6 points per game. You try to look me in the eyes and tell me that's not a championship-level defense, and I will laugh. You can go back two farther games. You can go two farther games back, and then their last seven games, they're allowing less than 14 points a game. Yeah, that's that's insane. That's championship-level defense. And this offense will figure it out. They will figure yeah. it out. Especially when they get healthy. Yeah, they'll figure it out. So if this defense keeps playing like they are, man, oh, man. I don't care. Tom Brady, I don't care what it is. Bring them to Lambeau Field. We're about to stomp them, boys. <laughs> All right, so I have some I have some good stats for the defense. For me, um, my three stars, it was Devontae Adams, the pass rush, and the secondary. So looking at looking at the pass rush, we talked about Devontae a little bit already, so I want to look at the pass rush. Now I got some next-gen stats, and I got some stats that I kind of had on my own, and the Packers are number three now in points per game in the NFL. Uh, 97 percent of the snaps on Sunday were with six or fewer guys in the box. That 97 percent. Now listen to this. Now listen to this. Rushing four or fewer players, they generated 13 pressures and all three of the sacks that they had. Rushing four or less. I like that. That Oh, man, I like that. <laughs> so you already mentioned the six consecutive scoreless quarters. Um, unfortunately, one of our guys went down. Whitney Merciless is done for the year with a torn bicep. So throw out some uh, just off the top of your head or if you thought about it, uh, what do you think the Packers are going to do to replace the Whitney Merciless uh, production? Oh, God, I can't even pronounce the guy's name, but they moved up. Uh, you, want me to, you want me to do it for you? Yeah, say his name. It's Tipa and Aliyai. Yeah, they moved him up, so that's probably what's going to happen. Garvin will just get more snaps. And I think Garvin has been pretty solid this year, honestly. Yes, yeah. Um, Preston Smith, though, dude. I really want to give a shout-out. First of all, it's his birthday, so happy birthday, Preston Smith. Um, but, dude, the thing that's the difference this year, first of all, our defensive linemen are getting a push on the inside. Secondly, Gary and Preston are doing an amazing job at rushing the quarterback and not just running up the field. Preston Smith, I forgot who got the sack, um, but he did a really, really great job on the first sack of the game. Wilson looked to run out to his left, and and Preston Smith looked like he was going to run upfield. And then he did a little step inside when Wilson was going to do that, and it made him step back. I think that uh, Whit- Whitney, Mer- Whitney Merciless had that one. Okay, it was Merciless then. Yep. Because I remember Preston Smith closing the hole and then going back and getting outside leverage. And that that made Russell just pause for a second. And you know in football, it only takes one second, man. One little millisecond on your timing, one little second guessing, and all of a sudden, boom, you're getting laid on by a 250-pound linebacker. You know? That took so him out of field goal range, too. It did. That was a huge play. And that that's one of those plays that doesn't show up in the stat sheet that our guys have been doing very, very well this year is gap control. 
that is probably the biggest key to our defense this year. First of all, they're a number one tackling team in the league. Yeah, that's so refreshing. I actually sent a tweet to Zach Cruz. He's a, a Packers guy on, on Twitter. Yeah. And it was from one year ago that the Packers were the worst team in tackling. And then it was a tweet from this year saying the Packers are the number one tackling defense. And I'm like, this this went well. This is like, could you be any happier about the turn from being literally yeah. the worst tackling team to being the best yeah. tackling team? I mean, I can, I can flip into my notebook from last year and be like, the Packers need to tackle better. The Packers need to tackle better. The Packers are tackling better. And this is something I want to bring yeah. up is a is a, a way that I, I believe about this is that when the Bucks were right here, they just couldn't get over the hump was because their three-point percentage was low. They were really high in three-point percent take or the three-point takes, but they weren't up there in percentage. And then last year they raised their three-point percentage by like four and a half percent championship. Obviously, adding Drew helps that. But I mean, you know, tackling is a big deal. And what I want to bring up with the tackling is good luck trying to run anything that starts behind the line of scrimmage. You try to run a screenplay or a flea flicker or a wide receiver screens. The Packers blew that up every single time Seattle tried to do it. Literally every single time it was a tackle for loss when they tried to run a screen and they tried their one trick play that blew up in their faces. The Packers were not fooled by any of that. They blew it up several times behind the line of scrimmage. So, um, that, you know, in addition to the tackling is, uh, is a really big deal. And, you know, this defense is for real and, and Joe Barry deserves credit for that. But, um, one more guy I want to give credit to on the defense is Kevin King. We got to give him credit since the Bengals game. He's playing really well. And Hey, what do we say about Kevin King? Where do we like him? No, in the red zone, really. And what did he do in the red zone this week? He almost he dropped the ball for him. He almost but, did. Yes. I'm glad he caught it. Kevin King, we, we've said it. We like him in the red zone. That's where really the only place that we like him. But, um, you know, Kevin King in the red zone, that's where that's where he works best. And he got an interception this week. So, shout out to Kevin King for, for playing well and, and continuing to help hold it down in the absence of Jair. Um, and also to Adrian Amos. I mean, you mentioned it with your stars, but, I mean, Adrian Amos is – He's like the quarterback of the defense as far as the secondary is concerned. And um, just him and Devondre Campbell really just helping the back end of the, the defense. And Devondre Campbell is just everywhere. But, uh, you know, this the Packers defense, it's not it's not terribly flashy, but it's, it's really effective. So this is wow. probably the most excited I've been about a Packers defense since we had Charles Woodson. It's been a long time, man. 0-9-10, I was thinking. Um I mean, the thing about you know, we got to give a shout out to Rasul Douglas. This man came yes. off, off the practice squad and been balling. I mean, Darnell Savage seems to be a guy with confidence level a million Dude, right he now. He can actually—he's hitting some people. He's doing—he's doing everything, bro. He's defending passes, intercepting it. People are not throwing towards him, dude. And then this last week, they let Amos be the center fielder, and he was picking them off. So now, what do you do? Now you got both going back there picking them off. You know, defending passes. It's like. We have a good defense right now. We get back to Jair Alexander. I said at the beginning of the year that the Packers could have one of the best secondaries in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, man. We get back to Jair, dude, and he shuts down one, one half of the field. Now you're forced to throw up those other guys, and you just heard what Eric 
Stokes did this week. Gave up zero yep. receptions. That's why we talked about it too with, with uh, Eric Stokes profiling to a similar player to Jair where he's more of a shutdown guy than a yep. you know ball-hawking guy. So, um, so, so Now what do you do, man? <laughs> <laughs> what, exactly. What do you do? All right. So do you want to – do you want to talk anything else about the Packers Seahawks before we move on? Um, I just want to give a shout out on the shutout. I mean, first one it was clear that was that's incredible. Russell Wilson is big time quarterback. Uh, they got some big time receivers over there, and uh, they made they made sure that that mouthpiece that has the the pacifier for DK Metcalf that it was uh, actually viable because he had appropriate like, baby, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you could tell he got frustrated. Yeah, you hear what he said? I'm sick of losing. Man, shut up. Be a professional. You're literally called a professional right. football player, dude. You're not going to win every game, and I understand you're struggling, but you came to Lambeau, dude. Not up. many people walk out of there with a W. Just saying. So, speaking of Lambeau, before we move on, I want to I talk about the stock thing really quick. Because the okay. amount of people – talking smack about the Packers having a stock buy, and it's like, oh, it's not really a stock because it doesn't pay dividends. But somebody then brought up that it's better than using taxpayer money or whatever, which is a fair point. Now, when we talked about the Bucks arena, you know, their you know taxpayer money was part of that. And you know, there's people like, oh, I don't care about the Bucks. I don't care about, you know, uh, a new arena for the Bucks or for, for concerts or whatever. I mean, obviously there's – parts of that that people don't understand about the income tax and what that brings for revenue and stuff. But getting back to the Packers, when you have a stock buy like this, you don't have to use taxpayer money. So there's nobody complaining and nobody's forcing you to buy stock in the Packers. Now people are also also calling it like a glorified souvenir, which it is, but people buy jerseys and then players leave the team and people buy hats and then they rip or they get dirty or whatever so you buy a new hat like it's just like that it's not that much different but when you get your plaque you hang on the wall and it says you are owner of the green bay packers and then next year they add another room to the walk of fame or they they add another ten thousand seats at the top of the stadium or you know anything that they add to the stadium to keep lambeau field as being one of the best best fields, best uh, arenas in all of sports, really, is mm-hmm. you can look at that and be like, I was a part of that. Yep, 100%. Now, I don't see how other fan bases cannot feel like they would want to do that for their own team. And if you if you say you wouldn't, you're lying to yourself. Or you're not as diehard of a fan as you think you are. It's, it's really just jealousy. You got to think about it, right? It's jealousy. Uh, the Packers have found a way, you know, and we have passionate fans have found a way to keep, you know, the the fan base kind of involved in these decisions is exactly the way that you just described it. I mean, there was two people that are pretty, you know, that are on the team that were buying stock yesterday. Aaron three. Jones I saw and, three. And AJ Dillon. I didn't see the third one. Who was the third Orin one? Oren Burks bought some. Oh, okay. Did you see what else that uh, AJ Dillon got yesterday? He got the key to Door County. Yes, he did, baby. <laughs> yes, he did. I'm going to be bringing uh, Chantel there for the first time next summer. She's never been there. so Nice. I there. haven't either, actually. I oh, haven't. my God, dude. I went there for uh, – I've been there twice. Dude, it's incredible. It's amazing. It's beautiful up there. Uh, it, 
I mean, they, it's it's awesome up there. Wine tasting's fun. I mean, I'm not the biggest wine guy, but I actually tasted some wines, and I'm like, yeah, they're pretty good. I would I would drink this. But it, dude, it's, do that. it's beautiful up there, man. You should bring the family up there. You'd love it. All right. So you ready to move into the Vikings? Yeah, we'll talk about them for a little bit. All right. Let's talk <laughs> about the Packers offense versus the Vikings defense. Well, the Vikings defense is uh, hot garbage. Bad. <laughs> uh, they're getting uh yeah it's bad they're getting uh harrison smith back this week i think i read um he was practicing today um i just don't see a lot of they brought in patrick peterson he's on ir uh they just i don't see a lot of a lot of things that are going to give us problems the only thing that you know we're going to be indoors so there's gonna be no jake weather report for this week for this so weather's not going to be a factor uh, AJ Dillon's going to get the ball and he's going to, and Eric Kendricks is the only guy on that defense that really scares me. I mean, because of injuries, obviously, but right. you block Eric Kendricks because he's going to probably end the game with 10, 12 tackles. Um, Rogers does his thing. They don't have any corners to stop Devonte, So this might be a game where AJ Dillon runs the ball, gets over hundred yards and Devonte Adams does his, does his thing basically is how I'm going to work that. I mean, we could, we can end up with another 300, 200, 100 game. We really could. This is definitely a candidate for that because their defense, when you look, when you break down the defense on all three levels, it doesn't, there's nothing that really scares me other than Kendricks. He's a good player. Yep. So for me, my offensive thoughts were just take what the defense gives you. I mean, like I said, they're probably going to try to do some running through the air. So I would expect a, a fairly healthy dose of like wide receiver screens and stuff just to get the ball to Devontae quickly and, you know, see what he can do. You know, get the ball in the hands of your best yep. players. Um, control the time of possession, which is actually something the Packers have been doing pretty decently, I would say, especially going back to the Arizona game and keeping opposing offenses yeah. off the field, which is what you want to do because Minnesota, if they have any strength, it's their offense. Um, you know, they have some solid playmakers on their offense. So, mm-hmm. um, Minnesota allows about 240 passing yards and 130 rushing yards. So, like Jake just said, you know, you can pretty much do your thing against their defense. Um, you know, yeah, use A.J. Dillon, work in some play action, and get the ball in the hands of Devontae. And, you know, maybe take some shots on on MVS, see what you can do, and um, just spread the ball around. You know, the yeah. you know, Minnesota, they can try to key on Devontae all they want, but, I mean, you only have – so many capable players to throw at guys before other guys are just beating you up. Yep. So spread the ball around, use all your personnel and um, yeah, just take what they give you. So that's all I got for the Packers offense, but let's talk about the Packers defense versus the Vikings offense. Yeah. This offense is, uh, is humming. Uh, it's very good. Uh, they get a lot of yards. Uh, they don't, they don't score the most points, but they score enough. They score a respectable amount. But their their offense they they've been down in some games uh, they've been up in some games and took their foot off the gas so it's kind of just a yardage offense it looks nice in the stat sheet uh, Kirk Cousins is playing very well this year eighteen touchdowns two interceptions so he's actually doing it's very good this year yep. um, they still have Devlin Cook over there yep. Adam Thielen Justin Jefferson their tight end yep. Conklin is actually Conklin, okay yep. he yep. just doesn't get enough targets in my opinion he's a yep. pretty good player though. But that offensive line is still an issue. Offensive line is still bad. So I expect us to just get there 
force Cousins off his spot. And us being a really good tackling team, oh, my God. First of all, thank you, God. Uh, but it means that we're not going to give up a lot of those junk yards that Dalvin Cook really drives yep. on. He really breaks a lot of tackles, and he gets a lot of stuff after contact. You know, that's what all the top running backs do. But it'll be nice that I th- can go in confidently thinking that's not going to happen because I feel confident in Chris Barnes and Devondre Campbell wrapping that Devondre, up and, yeah. and shutting that down. So I think the Packers just, you know, get off the field on third down, first of all. That's oh, I got one a third down report for you. I got one. I know. I know. you, And it's, it's, it's always important. And I love that you bring that kind of stuff up because, you know, getting off the field on third down is such a big thing because you can wear their defense out, especially, like you said, they're so bad against the run on defense. If we get them off the field, get some short jives, we could keep pounding the rock with A.J. Dillon, who – I don't know about you, but I don't want a 250-pound human running into me all the time. So and he's he's quick and he's actually pretty decent on his feet. Yeah. Like that that's the that's what makes him kind of great. He kind of has that little Eddie Lacy feel where like you're like, damn, Eddie Lacy's so big, he's just running into us. So then you kind of just gear up for that, and all of a sudden he goes past you and you're like, shit, now I gotta worry about that. So it's kind of that next level with AJ. And AJ has better feet than, than I was just going to say, like, if AJ Dillon throws a spin move, like, I might lose my shit. Yeah, he's he's definitely got better feet than Lacey. Lacey had the spin move every once in a while. But uh, Dillon's ability to you know, toe tap, cut, all that stuff. I mean, AJ Dillon is a stud. He's He's a stud. So, I mean, their offense is good. They run the ball good. They're top 10 in yards. Uh, in passing, rushing, and total yards are seventh in total yards. They are 14th in points. They average 24. So, like I said, they score a good amount. It's respectable, but the Packers only give up 18. And uh, I expect us to be a little bit better on Sunday than them. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely have the Packers winning in this game. But uh, for me, at some at some points in this game, you're going to have to trust Kevin King and Eric Stokes to play a little bit of one-on-one. Um, it's not like last week where Seattle was without – uh, Chris Carson, uh, Minnesota will have Dalvin Cook. So they, you know, that 97% of six or fewer guys in the box, you're not going to be able to do that 97% of the time. No. Um, and now without Whitney Merciless, you're going to see a little more Chris Barnes, a little more Garvin, um, yep. a little more Oren Burks, and then Tipa Liai. Um, So you're going to see all those guys. And, you know, I'm, I'm more confident this year than I was last year with how improved our linebacker play has been. Um, and I think that goes with, with Joe Barry, who I called before the season when they made the hire, I called him the linebacker whisperer. Um, so pairing Devondre Campbell with Joe Barry has been a really big difference for this defense. And I brought up during the recap about the Packers being really good against screen plays because last year, Dalvin cook took a screen 50 yards to the house. I don't see that happening again. The Packers have been much better, much more disciplined on those types of plays. So I brought that up for a reason. I was, you know, huh? yeah, I remember that. that now. Now that you brought that up, I was like, oh, yeah, he did. Dude, they dominated us at Lambeau. That was bad. A lot of wind. I mean, that was man, that was a Dalvin Cook show, man. He took over. And that was that was Minnesota's Super Bowl was splitting with the Packers last year. I know. Hey, congratulations. And then, and then they want to poke fun. Oh, you lost Minnesota Championship game. Yeah, dude, we have a chance to go for the title. What are you doing? You're celebrating a win in early November. Yeah, you beat the Packers once. <laughs> the Packers what? didn't go 6-0 and in the division again. Whoa. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much how it is, bro. 
Um, I do think you'll have to see Barnes and Burks uh, keeping an eye on Tyler Conklin. He had two touchdowns last week, so um, just got to keep that in the back of their mind. And, um, you know, I don't see this game being really much of a problem with how improved the Packers' defense has been. Um, so I'm going to give my third down report, and then I'll give a score prediction. But okay. for third down report, uh, Minnesota – there, we had Matt Ramage on the show a couple weeks ago, and, and he was talking about how Minnesota fans like to brag about how good they are on third downs, and it's not the case anymore, which is really funny. They're down to converting <laughs> just under 36% of their third downs, so they're not as good at third downs as they used to be. And they're better on defense on third downs, though. They only allow just over 34.5% conversions on third downs. So, um, That's pretty good. The Packers continue to improve on both ends of the football. They're up to converting over 40% of their third downs and allowing 42% on the other side of the ball. So um, as far as things for the Packers defense that has been extremely improved, a couple things they can still work on are third down defense and uh, red zone defense. And uh, we got Owen in the comments saying he's going to come off topic and tell you the Bucks are debuting your city jerseys tonight. You're uh, Got there before Jake was, had the chance to bring it up because Jake did text me that before the show. That the fact that the Bucks I was are so excited to get news, bro. I was like, bro, <laughs> I know I found this, bro. I'm so excited. And I texted Tyler, and then Owen ruins it for me. That guy, <laughs> that guy always ruins everything. Yeah, he, yeah, that guy causes problems everywhere he goes. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I'm, for, I'm for chaos every once in a while, though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> All right. You have anything else? with the Packers before we talk about the Badgers. Nah, man, I am at, I am very excited to talk about the Badgers. Now, I know you are too because we were texting during that game, man. All right, let's do it. Let's talk about the Badgers' win over Northwestern. Let's talk about it. I want you to start because I, I want to hear what you're going to say. I have my notes already, but I want your points first. You always make me go first. Why don't you go first? I do always make you go first. I'm the setup, man. All right, so for me, the, the red zone defense came up big on the first drive. They got the interception in the red zone. Um, held Northwestern to only 80 yards in the first half. And the, the the comparison that I wanted to make is Braylon Allen was reminding me of a combination of two two former Wisconsin running backs. See if you can okay. if you can think of the two. Let me see if you can guess them. I'm gonna say is Ron Dane one? Ron Dane is one. And then I'm gonna say Melvin Gordon. Hey, look at you. Good job. Good job. Yes. Melvin Gordon and Ron Dane. He that's who that's that's who Braylon Allen was reminding me of. Because he was quick and he was running people over. I mean he was doing pretty both. Good over a dude. I mean he didn't even like, he didn't even have like a four step run up. He was like he bounced off a tackle, saw another dude coming to him, and he's just like, Yep. And just Mario jumped over him. Yeah, he's a f- freaking athlete dude i'll tell you that and just a week before he had to have his ankle taped like 400 times to play i know in the first quarter <laughs> yeah have it taped for him in the first quarter dude it was crazy and, and then just later in the game he's just casually jumping over people 25 carries for 173 yards that's just nuts yeah so, he, went, he went crazy and we're about to have another week of the braylon allen show because <laughs> i mean um the Badgers' offense is that that game right there. As far as the offense is concerned, is just do that. Just do that. Don't do anything else. Just do that. 
Paul Chris made some great play calls. They ran a halfback draw out of the shotgun on third and two. Oh, that was such a beautiful play call. Oh, I love that play call. He's starting to break it out, man. And, and with this defense, dude, we're – whoo, boy, I'm ready. <laughs> so, Braylon Allen tied Anthony Davis for the most uh, consecutive 100-yard games. He has six in a row now. Yep. Um, Anthony Davis was asked about it. He said he's, he hopes somebody challenges that record, so he's tied with him now. And looking at Julius Davis and Brady Shipper, um, they, they both over have – both have over five yards of carry, but uh, Julius Davis had a fumble. Brady Shipper, he looks decent, but, I mean, neither of those guys are spelling Braylon Allen the way that Braylon Allen was spelling Chaz Malusi. Um, so it's it's going to be the Braylon Allen show. He's going to get probably 25-plus carries. Um, we need to talk about Graham Mertz, though. Graham Mertz had a very good game. Is 18 for 23, 216 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Hey, Amen. That's, that, um, that's, that's an ideal scenario for Graham Mertz. He looked like he's getting more comfortable. Back-to-back weeks. My man my man Mertz is going crazy. He's he's throwing on time. He's throwing accurately. Dude, he started nine for nine. I tweeted it. He was dropping some dimes. And he was dropping not, you know, not five yards an attempt dimes. Like, he was throwing downfield dimes. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's I mean, very good, man. He he made some really great throws in this game. He did. Um, Against the, yeah. a, a Northwestern team that is usually known for defense too. So, I mean, Northwestern is usually a pretty they're usually a pretty decent football team. Yeah, they are. They they compete. Right. So I mean, you know, it's not a it's not a Rutgers game type yeah. thing. Um. So. Nine different players caught passes in this game, um, and seven of them had receptions that went for 13 yards or more. Yep, that a boy. That's what I wanted. There you go. <laughs> um, so Mertz is showing his better accuracy downfield. Um, he's showing touch, which was something that we talked about. We know he's got the arm strength. He just needed to, yep. to throw the touch. He was throwing, overthrowing guys a lot this year, yep. and he was he dropped one in. I think it was to Shipper. He dropped one right over the linebacker, right into his hands. That was a beautiful throw. Um, and then guys are breaking tackles. I mean, just getting yards after the catch. I mean, I can't say enough good things about the Badgers' offense in this game. They've, they've totaled up 497 yards. So, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about the offense? I can't say enough good things about it. All right. So, I hope you're ready for this. First of all, I, wanted, I was going to start by saying six straight win for the Badgers. Also, the sixth straight game that Brandon Allen went over 100, there's your key. You get a guy that goes over 100, brings that physicality. Uh, that's something that obviously the Badgers were missing by just running Malusi. And I like Malusi. He's a good player. We're going to miss him later. Yep. He's, more, but, he's more finesse. Yes. He's uh, he's the, you know, throw it to him, let him get an open field, make a guy miss. Yeah. Yep. Um, what I was going to say, first of all, you took all my, you took the all the words out of my mouth with Graham. That's, <laughs> That's what you get for making me go first. <laughs> I, I wanted it. I wanted you to have the have have the shine. Um, the thing that's happening with the Badgers is the defense was great. They started to force turnovers. The offense is coming around. So, what other team do you think is going to do that in this state? <laughs> it's going to be the Packers, dude. The yep. Packers defense is playing good. They're starting to force turnovers. The offense is going to come around. 
And I'm going to hit this. you with another parallel on that even. I will. I'm ready. The Badgers have three losses, and they're up to number 15 in the college football playoffs. That tells me that that committee respects this team. That they know, like, first of all, if we wouldn't have lost to Penn State and had two losses, and the Badgers would have ran the table. Say they would only had two losses, and they would only lost to Notre Dame in that sh- shitty way and Michigan, and they would have ran and won the Big Ten title, I think this team would be in the playoffs. That's what I feel like. Like, they'd be top ten right now easily. I think they'd be top ten. I think, I they, think they'd I, probably be around eight. I think if, you know, take the scenario of Ohio State beats Michigan State, right, a top, top seven team, and then they go and they beat Michigan, who is number six right now. So then they're feeling real good about Ohio State, right? Ohio State probably moves up to number three or number two if they do that, being two back-to-back top ten opponents. Yep. Then we go and beat Ohio State, I think we would have been in. But at this point in time, we won't. But we are working towards a New Year's Six Bowl. The way that this is going, the Badgers will probably be in a primetime bowl game for how well they're playing. Mm-hmm. And we're going to need Graham Mercer to still do his thing. The craziest thing for me is last week when I was doing this, I talked about Marty and Helinski, quarterbacks for – uh, Northwestern, how they don't really have a guy because they had three guys that attempted over 75 passing attempts, which is absolutely insane. Still insane to me. Yeah. They had three guys that attempted over 75 pass attempts. They let Andrew Marty and they let Holinsky play in this game. Marty was 10 of 18, 100 yards, three interceptions. I talked about him being the turnover prone one. Holinsky, three for eight, 25 yards, and a pick. He had a 10 QBR. Ugh. Terrible. <laughs> They had 239 yards total. That's crazy. Yep. As a team. They didn't even get 250 yards. The Badgers, like you said, 497. Braylon Allen is really the key to that. He really brings the physicality. But I wanted to give a shout-out to, to Jake Ferguson, man. He, he always is there. Dude, he has – I was just reading a draft profile on him the other day. He's going to be playing on Sundays. Yeah. He – Got invited to the Senior Bowl, which we all knew was going to happen. Yeah. They were profiling him. I was reading some of his draft, like pre-draft profile. They said that he might have the best hands in the entire draft. I mean, some of the throws that Mertz made into some really tight windows that Ferguson still got hands on, I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to disagree with you. Jake Ferguson is a guy. Hey, Owen, you beat me to it again. Stop doing that shit. (laughs) <laughs> I'm thinking I'm thinking because Ferguson, first of all, he's like a, a six-year senior. He's a little bit yep. older. I'm hoping Ferguson is one of those guys that slips into the fourth round, fifth round, you know, because he's a Wisconsin tight end. He's not flashy. He's not the fastest. But he always catches the ball. And I hope that doesn't come back to bite me in the butt this week. But he always catches the ball. I want him in a Green Bay Packer uniform. He's just a guy that I feel like on third down, I could trust him to make that catch. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? That's how yep. I feel about Jake Ferguson. So I want yeah. to give a shout-out to Jake Ferguson. I know it's been kind of a tough year, not the year that he wanted, but he's he's a good player, man. He really is. So a couple other takeaways that I had from this. Um, what I want to say is if Braylon Allen gets active in the passing game, watch out. Hey man, he pl- he played safety in high school, so he's got them hands. That's all I'm saying. So 
what I want to say is we've talked about how good this defense is during the Badgers win streak. You mentioned it's six games. Um, we've given tons of credit to the death row linebackers. Yes. But what we haven't done is give a lot of credit to the secondary. And, you know, we've talked about how they're doing better at getting takeaways, but we haven't really talked about the secondary very much. And so we want to talk about Caesar Williams, Fayon Hicks, Scott Nelson, uh, Torchio, throw in uh, Hunter Wohler, who's a freshman who yeah. had an interception in this game. Uh, Dean Ingram, who does the punt returning, who made a great read to go and get an interception in this game. Uh, the secondary is really, really, really improved since that Michigan game. Man, so that's that's really completing this defense is the secondary improving uh, to go with the linebackers who Leo Chanel looks like a first round pick at this point. He had fourteen tackles, yeah, he's... three tackles for a loss and a sack. Uh, Jack Sanborn probably ended up being like a third round pick at ten tackles, three for loss, and you could throw in Dean Lowry of the Badgers, Matthew Henningsen, who had a sack and a half and a tackle and a half for loss. Dude, there there is all over this defense. You remember Louder Milk from last year? Yep. He gets a lot of playing time on Pittsburgh, by the way. Does he? Yeah, he does. I, I watched uh, watched a lot of Pittsburgh games this year. Uh, ever since Ryan came on, and Ryan. I was say yeah, Ryan did like that. Yep. But uh, this this defense is filled with a bunch of guys that are gonna play on Sundays. And I mean, Leo Chanel, like you said, that guy is a monster. I mean, we got linebacker. I mean, Herbig might be a guy that could get some PT. Um, Dude, I told you, the Badgers might have three first-team all all Big Ten. They they will. Uh, Sanborn is going to end up being that guy that slips into the third round, fourth round, and all of a sudden he's just making tackles everywhere, and you're like, damn, where the hell did this guy come from? Oh, he's just up there in Madison. Oh, he's from Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Caesar Williams, you already said his name, back-to-back weeks. Uh, with interceptions. This one came in the red zone, like you said. Uh, Jordan Turner as well, freshman linebacker, back-to-back weeks with interceptions. Yeah. Um, Dean Ingram, his interception, dude. That was a cow. beautiful read. He read that was, so well. I was so impressed. I was like, bro, he just jumped a screen. Like, he read that in a second. That was, like a, that was like a three-yard out route. Yeah. And, and yeah he was, beat him to the spot. It's crazy, man, how, how well he played that. And then Torsio, man, he had like a really, really good game last week. He had a, I'd say probably like a quarter and a half straight where he was just kind of felt like he was the best player in the field because he was breaking up passes, getting tackles. He was knocking people over. He was getting interceptions. Like he was, Torsio was doing everything. He was everywhere for a while, flying around. So, I mean, this Badgers team is deep, man. We got a lot of talent. And it's nice that we're starting to blow people out because you were, you were predicting you know, about if they play a certain way that blowouts come, right? And it's nice that we're doing that, and we're starting to get some of those young guys on-field experience, man. I really so, love that. So, a couple things that I want to say yet is the last four games, the Badgers have 16 takeaways. That's that's it's, massive. It's <laughs> um, damn good. I want to give a third down report for the Badgers. Uh, the Badgers converted 6 of 11 on third downs. So that is very good. That's over 50%. So that's very encouraging. And they held Northwestern to three for 13. That is suffocating. That's less than 25%. That's, that's pretty, pretty bad. 
So, I mean, that's that's pretty much everything I have to say is do the exact same thing and just keep doing that. Like, you've, you've done everything that you could possibly have expected this Badgers team to do. Now just do it with a little more polish and let's let's meet Ohio State or Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship. I'm with that, baby. All right, so the Badgers are number one in the Big Ten West now. They hold a tiebreaker over Iowa with the win. So let's talk about the Badgers versus Nebraska this week now. Uh, do you want me to go first for this one too? No, I think I'm going to go first in this one. All right. Um, <laughs> I wrote down the old cornholes. Um, I wanted to say everybody's going to see their record and immediately chalk this up as a win. But Nebraska played against Michigan and Ohio State this year, and they played both of them very tough. They lost to Michigan 32-29, and they lost to Ohio State 26-17. You know, it's a pretty respectable score. It could have been a lot closer. There was some iffy calls in that game, I would say. Um, but this game against Nebraska is going to be on ABC at 2.30, so we're getting prime time. You know, judge me right here, so it's time to show out and earn that New Year's Six Bowl that I'm hoping we get. Um, this is going to be a close game. I mean, Nebraska is actually a pretty good team. I know it's in Madison. Uh, Badgers are favored by 9.5 for that reason. The over-under is 42. I was looking at all the stats. I'm breaking them all down. Nebraska gives up 132.5 rush yards a game. And I'm thinking, you know, my key to winning is get Brandon Allen going, assert that dominance, assert that, you know, that physicality. I'm thinking we're going to get a seventh straight game of Braylon Allen over 100 yards. He's going to get force-fed. You know that's going to happen. Yep. We just need Mertz to hit a few passes. I mean, 18 of 23 works for me too. That's a lot more oh, yeah. than a few. But <laughs> um, if he if Mertz is balling and, you know, he has his touch and Braylon Allen is running, I don't see them scoring very much on our defense because our defense is freaking run. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I will give my score prediction later after you get All right. Yeah, I just – so Nebraska is 1-6 in the Big Ten. Yeah. And their quarterback, who has 13 touchdowns on eight interceptions, so turnover prone, is also their leading rusher. Yeah, I saw that. So I – that does not bode well for Nebraska's offense. That's going to be a rough day for their offense. Uh, they have three – Decent wide receivers. Um, we'll see what Williams, Hicks, and the safeties can contain them. Uh, the pass rush can help with that. Uh, Nebraska does allow 2.7 sacks per game. Um, so, you know, if they can get some pressure early, which the Badgers do. Um, Nebraska's okay on third down. They convert about 41%. Uh, but all in all, this Nebraska offense is not impressive, and the Badgers' defense will – continue to show why they are number one in the country. Um, as for the offense, I said it a couple times already. The game plan is exactly the same. Just do the same thing. Yep. All right. So hit me with your score prediction. I have Badgers 30, Nebraska 20. You give them 20 points. Wow. I'm not giving them that much. I have. Twenty points! Wow, I, do, I just I'm, I feel it. I feel it in my bones. I am gonna give 
Wisconsin 27 and Nebraska 6. Holy crap, dude. <laughs> this is the first this is the first time we have we've had a score prediction that isn't super close. Yeah. Um, Did we even give our score prediction for Packers? I don't remember. We didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. You want to throw it out there? there? All right, hang on. Let me go back. I want to I want to make sure I'm reading it right cuz I, I have a bunch of scores in my head. Uh, okay, so I have Packers 20 23 and Vikings 20. That's what I have for that game. Right. 23 to 20. I'm going to say 24 to 16 on the Packers. Okay. Okay. All right. You got a weather report for this one? I do. Uh, it's right. going to be pretty mild, man. Um, 49 degrees. Uh, winds south at six miles per hour. So I didn't get to do it for Packers because they're in a stupid dome. But did you watch Rogers on the McAfee show this last week? I did not. Ah, he talked about uh, that first pass that. Uh, got knocked down where Lazard got kind of crunched in between those two. Yeah. And he talked about the effect that the wind has. And he said, uh, you can't trust the flags in Lambeau because, you know, you'll come into the game and it'll say the winds are north. And when it gets down to the stadium, they just get pushed around mm-hmm. and the wind will actually be going south. So he said when he was throwing that ball and he was feeling it, he thought that he had the wind behind him. So that's why he took a little bit off. But actually what happened, he was throwing into the wind at that point. So that's why the ball got knocked down. And he said <laughs> he said it was a throw he wasn't proud of because it wasn't a nice tight spiral. You know, because if you throw a spiral, it's gonna go through the air a little bit easier. So right. that was that was kind of the reasoning. I always bring up wind because I know that it's a really, really great like it evens everything out. Uh, I mean we saw it in the Viking game last year. So uh winds at only six miles per hour gusts up to nine, so it's not gonna be super crazy, but we're going to be running the ball about 50 times, so wind shouldn't really be a factor. All right. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to another Badgers win um, by a bigger margin than Jake predicted. But do um, mm-hmm. you have anything else you want to say about the Badgers? No, man. Let's just keep winning, man. Just keep winning, piling those babies on top of each just other. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. All right. So Jake and I were talking about the Bucks. And what we want to say with the Bucks is we're going to – Jake, I don't know if you just want me to run through the games really quick and then we're going to talk about the stuff we're going to talk about. Um, is that Jake yeah. and I, we want to give – instead of doing just recaps and going through recaps, which I'm still going to do really quickly, but Jake and I want to give a lot of context. Jake and I have talked about this probably since last January – is that context matters. And it it went through January through March. We just kept saying context matters, context matters, context matters. You know, Budenholzer is figuring out rotations and and situational things and uh, how many minutes guys are going to play and navigating different types of lineups and stuff like that. And it's happening again this year. And people already freaking out that Budenholzer needs to be fired and he didn't even do anything like Giannis won the championship by himself as if Budenholzer didn't make some really great adjustments during last year's playoffs, which we talked about at length. And, you know, it's the Bucks haven't had a healthy team since week one or day one. And yeah. even at then they didn't have Dante DiVincenzo, which is a guy that we're going to talk about. So I'm going to run through these games really quick. Last Wednesday, uh, they beat, the Knicks um, had four guys pick up Giannis. Giannis had 15, 15, and 8. 
Um, Drew added 18 points. He was four for six on threes. Bobby had 17 points. He was three for five on threes. Uh, Grayson Allen had 15 points. He was five for 11 on threes. And then Pat Connaughton, who is another guy we're going to talk about. I'm going to at least mention him a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. 23 points, nine rebounds, and five assists. And he was seven for 13 on threes. Shit, Pat Connaughton is a baller, dude. Dude, he was the best player on the floor for a couple of minutes. I ain't going to lie to you. <laughs> So the rebounding in this game, the Bucks 50, the Knicks 38. Um, The Bucks only shot nine free throws, which is kind of weird, but they were 26 for 50 on threes. So they were lighting it up at the three-point line and uh, not taking a ton of free throws. Then moving into a Friday night game, which is kind of a weird game. Giannis was a late scratch. So it was basically Drew was the only starter and he was playing with everybody else. He shot one for 12 on threes. And this game still went into overtime, which was crazy. Um, But Drew Holiday, 17 points, 13 assists, 6 rebounds. Bobby Portis had 22 points. Grayson Allen had 21 points. George Hill had 16 points. Pat added another 15. Jordan Wara added 11. Now this game, the rebounding, the Celtics 53, the Bucks 39. So a bit of a trend there with the rebounding. Um, And then Sunday's loss at Atlanta was basically – you know, say what you want to about Trey Young, but if you're giving a guy mismatches to the point where he can get literally every three that he takes wide open because you're switching Bobby Portis and Jordan Wara onto Trey Young, like at that point, you know, if this was a playoff series, that that the defensive strategy would be changed. So Yeah. No, they just took my context away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So <laughs> that game, Giannis twenty six, five and six. Uh, Drew Holiday, 19 points and eight assists. Grayson Allen, 18 points, four of seven on threes. Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton added 11 each. Um, only 15 bench points in this game was, yeah. was really a, a big deal. Um, and no George Hill in this game. So um, tonight, the Bucks play the Lakers without LeBron. Uh, Chris Middleton should be back. So I'm very excited about that. Jake, what do you want to say about tonight's game? Is there anything cool going on? Yeah, man, they're debuting in New Jersey, man. I'm pretty excited. Dude, I am actually, like, super, super excited to see those in action, dude. Dude, I'm excited that they brought Purple back. Oh, that's so awesome. I know. Did you see some of the new sweatshirts, dude? Yes, dude. Did you see the purple one that has, like, the old triangle logo, but it has the new M on it? Oh, I want one of those. I was like, oh, shit, here we go. I'm going to spend all my money. (laughs) All right. So, then, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Friday, the Bucks play the Thunder. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. All right. Yep. Friday, the Bucks play the Thunder. Just got to watch out for Shade Gilgis Alexander. He's a beast. And then Saturday and Monday, they play Orlando. So the Bucks should have a couple of get-right games there. But um, the three the three main things that we want to talk about is Giannis's interview with GQ, which people are freaking out about stuff being taken out of context. Yep, we want to yep. talk about Brooke Lopez. And we're going to talk about the shooting guard position, mainly Dante DiVincenzo versus Grayson Allen. Um, Just two guys that I want to throw out really quick. Um, Pat Connaughton, who's playing 30 minutes a game and shooting 38.5% on threes. You're getting a very reliable three-point shooter in Pat Connaughton, who's also very durable. He's reliable, and he plays tough defense, and he's super athletic. Yeah, he's. We've mentioned it a couple times that those are the kind of guys you need to win championships. 
is you need to have those kind of role players around. So I love Pat Connaughton. Um, and then Semi Ojale is the other guy I want to mention just really quick. Um, he's You can see that he's starting to find his footing a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, he missed the first like six or seven games, I think. So he's just now like six or seven games into the season for him. Uh, he just, just give him a little bit more time. He's new to this team. So he's, it's going to take him some time to find his role, especially with guys in and out with injuries. Um, Jake sent me a, a screenshot of an article uh, before we started the show. So I'll let Jake share that before we start talking about some of these things. Yeah. So the article just talked about how Bucks fans shouldn't be freaking out, right? Uh, the Bucks, you know, we've had years where we played our best basketball at the beginning of the year and we end up getting bounced in the second round. Uh, so right now we just need to, to relax. This is where that context is coming in. Uh, the Bucks have already this year in that article, it's, it told me, uh, They've already used eight different lineups. Last year, they used 14 total, which is insane. Which includes some starter wrestling games. Right. And, you know, last year we were trying to figure stuff out, move different guys here, do this guy here, give this guy 15 minutes, give this guy 25. Like, we I mean, were Drew had COVID last year. Yeah. Giannis and, missed like six games in February. And now Chris got COVID this year. And, yeah. you know, we've, we've really, really missed him because Giannis has really just been seeing double team after double team. And he's still putting up points, man. I mean, it's crazy. This guy's, you know, once we get everybody back, Giannis is going to kill everybody. And that is going to be a problem. Um, His his jumper is definitely improved. I don't care what anybody says. Um, This actually might be a good thing that he's going against double teams to, you know. He talked about that. He talked about that. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, too, that he puts himself in those uncomfortable positions on purpose so that he knows how to handle it. Right. And that's. That's great for us. Right. I mean, come June, I mean, I'll love, send a double team because Giannis will know how to figure it out at that point. Um, you know, the context of the situation is just, just got to get healthy. That's really, that's really everything that needs to happen. Um, we will break down the context uh, game by game here. So if you want to start with Knicks or do you want me to start with Knicks game? You, you go ahead, throw your context out there, and then let's talk about, let's talk about these three situations. Okay, so the context for the next game was we just shot a lot of threes and we made a lot of threes. We were very efficient. We were, I think, two off from our t- team record, I believe. Um, but we broke right. the record. We broke the record for most threes by an opposing team at Madison Square Garden. So I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I labeled this game the Pat Connaughton show because that's exactly what it was. This man destroyed. Uh, we are in a group chat. And we talk a lot of a lot of trash with some people, and one guy in there is a Knicks fan, and he said he would he was like, I would let Pat Connaughton beat me, and I commented after, and I said, Well, Pat Connaughton we beat did. you. <laughs> that I mean, that felt good to say because especially after the last you know Knicks game when we gave up that huge lead, we almost did it again. You know, the thing that happened in this game, which was crazy, is the starters for the Knicks played zero minutes in the fourth quarter. That is crazy to me. Yeah, did you know that? I did not know that. They played zero minutes. They brought it all the way close. Tibbs just left them out there. And by the time that we were blowing them out, there was only like a minute and a half left. And you're kind of like, well, I was going to bring the bench guys in at this point anyways. You know, they're up by 15. So uh, the Bucks ended up winning 112-100. So, yeah, the starters for the Knicks played zero minutes in the fourth quarter because they made that crazy, crazy comeback. Um, but, yeah, we shot the ball well. Pat Connaughton was the man. And, we won a game with Giannis scoring under 20 points. That gives me great confidence. He shot five for 15. Yeah, he shot bad. 
All right. So what else? I don't know if you want to say anything else about the Boston or Atlanta games at all before we start talking about guys. Oh, okay. So Boston game, I was really just, I was really just proud of how our team fought in that game. I mean, they played really, really hard. But I mean, but you expect that, you know, that's championship, you know, that's championship heart, right? The thing that happened in this game, this is why I said you took my context away, and also happened in the Atlanta game was whenever there was a screen, they were switching Bobby Portis onto the guard. So two straight games, we got killed by little guards. Schroeder ended up with 38 for the Celtics, and then Trey Young ended up with 42. For the, for the Hawks. So Schroeder, every single time, I swear to God, I could count it, he went left one damn time that whole game. He went left once, and we forced him into a terrible shot. He made it, but we forced him into a terrible shot. When he went right, it was a layup. And then he was, I don't even know, this guy can't even shoot, and he was making 40-footers. I was like, oh, my God, that's so annoying. And then Drew Holiday's threes. They were all touching every part of the damn rim and then missing. And I'm like, if he could just get a few to fall, man. I'll say Chris Middleton knows how that feels. (laughs) Man, I couldn't believe the holiday was shooting that bad. He was getting great shots. He was literally doing everything else in that game. Yes, he was. Basketball, playing defense. Like, he was doing everything. He had some really nice passes in that game. He did. Allen really didn't get start going until, like, later in the game. But he made one of the most clutch shots, which also gives me great confidence in Grayson Allen. Which yeah. is going to be really tough for me to argue. Dude, against, that move was so dirty. That one that filth. Grayson Allen hit to tie the game. Oof. That was filth. That was straight filth. <laughs> that was dirty. <laughs> um, the Bucks and Hawks game. I don't have a lot to say about that one. That was just that was just a Bucks team that looked injured to me. We tried to switch on screens. We yep. really didn't get anything going in that game. I mean, if you just look at the stats, I mean, they look even across the board, except for rebounding. Right, so physicality wise, they dominated us. Trey Young ran the show, and that's pretty much everything you need to know from that game. All right, so we're gonna start with Giannis, and we're gonna start with the the interview that he did with GQ, and yep. the the quote that people most see is the next challenge may not be here. But what he said before that, and his agent reiterated it, is that he's not thinking about leaving the Bucks. What he was talking about in that interview was what? Look at the comments. Look at the yeah, Corbin Burns. All right. No uh, way. Holy yes. shit. <laughs> Holy shit. I was confident that he was going to win it. I did pick him to win it. So I'm gonna. We should revisit that episode and be like, Yeah, I picked it. Oh, um, is that real? Is that real? Bro? It's got to be real. It's got. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, yeah. Only never lies, damn it. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm getting. I have a, a cheering gif in my in my Brewers writers group, so yep. I'm gonna go ahead and say that it's true. Milwaukee Brewers shared it. Milwaukee Brewers shared it. He, your 2021 Cy Young Award winner. He's the third Sweet. Cy Young Award winner in franchise history. Sweet. Yep. You know what that means? He's gonna be expensive. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He's worth it, though. Yeah. All right. So 100%. he's a stud. Yeah, he's definitely a stud. Back to the Bucks. <laughs> Back to the Bucks. Um, Giannis and his agent both reiterated that he's not thinking about leaving the Bucks. What his whole talk about was he's always got his mind on what the next challenge is going to be. 
Okay. And his agent said that he needs to to create those challenges for himself because as a 26-year-old, he's already done everything that you want to do in the NBA. He um, he won an MVP. He won a Defensive Player of the Year. He won a Most Improved Player. He won a championship. He won two MVPs. Now, you know, his next goal is to repeat. You know, maybe after that, his next goal is to three-peat. Maybe his next goal after that will be to win the most championships or the most MVPs or, you know, something like that. So his quote was about creating the next challenge in his mind, not about the next challenge is going to be to win with a, a different team or to win in the West or, you know, something like that. It's It was about creating challenges in your mind and not about leaving the Bucks. So it's not like Giannis is still kicking around the idea of leaving the Bucks. He, all he talks about is how much he loves the community and the people yeah. and that he wants to do things for the community and how much he loves it here, and that he's not thinking about leaving the Bucks. So taking quotes out of context and say the next challenge might not be here, read the full article, please, is what I would suggest. So yep, what do you want to say about Giannis? Um, I agree with a lot of what you said, most of what you said. Uh, part of it could be he's challenging you know, the front office, front office to like never be content. Stay don't active. Just, yeah, don't just think because we have Giannis and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday locked up that we can't improve in other areas. And that's kind of where Giannis is. You know, like, they got a guy like Grayson Allen. Great pickup so far. Yeah, that was a steal. Timmy Ojale looks looks like a good pickup so far. I mean, those are those are things that Giannis wants us to do. I, I really don't see him leaving. That's a little bit of my heart and a little bit of my head kind of giving that answer. I really don't see him leaving. I just – I can't fathom it. I mean, as long as we keep Chris Middleton happy, he gets close with Brooke. He's close with a lot of these guys. I mean, Darvin Ham. I mean, he's, he's close with a lot of the coaching staff. He knows everybody. As long as they keep the you know people around him happy, I think Giannis will be fine here. They just have to, like you said, just keep creating challenges. And that was the big thing, you know, when we were – it was getting brought up the other day. I was just like – Please just – I mean, I saw a little tiny video on it. It was only like four minutes of the little video. But um, I, I I watched I watched the whole thing, and then I read the article that you're talking about. I read the whole thing, and I'm like, people are literally going to take eight words yep. of all 500 words that are in here. Yep. I'm, on there. I'm just you know, guessing. And they're going to run with those eight words. That's exactly yep. how the media works. That's exactly yep. how the news stations work. Yep. So before you do that, I would just like to say, do your research, you know, do your due diligence. and Read the full article. GQ yeah. is, a, is a really great magazine, honestly. It's so really, really, it's a good article too. It was, it was a good yeah. piece on Giannis and he, and you know, people are going to be wondering why was Giannis getting interviewed by GQ? It's because he won uh male athlete, athlete of the, of the year. year. Yep. So yeah. that was why the photo shoot, he looks, looks pretty funny in my opinion in those glasses, but that's neither here nor there. So <laughs> that's just my opinion. I think Chris Middleton made fun of him a little bit. Oh, uh, so anyway, yeah, let's. All right. What'd you say? Chris Middleton made fun of him. We called him ugly. Bro, he looks weird in those glasses. I'm sorry. His big old nose does not fit those glasses, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So let's let's talk about Brooke Lopez now. Let's. I'll let you talk about Brooke Lopez, and then I'm going to say some things. So I will let you start with Brooke Lopez. Um, I want to talk about him on offense and defense. Okay. So 
the way that I did this is I wrote down the things that I felt like they provide to our team. So I have six things for Brooke Lopez that I wrote down that he is, you know, very, very good at these things. Wrote down his stats as well, but we'll get to there if we need them. So Brooke Lopez is a great rim protector. That is yep. simply just a fact. Yep. Uh, he averaged one and a half blocks per game uh, last year on 27 minutes. So he's playing under 30 minutes and blocking one, two, three shots. He's doing his thing. And he's he's actually, I would say, arguably one of the best, if not the best, at defending with his hands straight up. Okay, so he's Tyler's never reading, Tyler's reading my he's notes. Never, he's never like this. He's always straight up. So even yes. if he's not getting blocks, he's just there being, I am Groot, and nobody's shooting yeah. over him. Yes. So or you have to try to shoot over him, and then you're missing shots. Right. So, like I said, Tyler's reading my notes. The next thing I was going to say is the verticality rule. Brooke Lopez is absolutely, dynamically, in my opinion, the best <laughs> at that rule. He forces a lot of bad shots, which turns into rebounds for Giannis, rebounds for Chris Middleton. Which turns Oh, I'm going to hammer on rebounding, I will. as I've done. So, he's the box-out king. Again, allowing other guys to get the ball and run, um, which allows more fast-break opportunities. Yes. The next thing that he does is two things on offense. He's a three-point shooter. He shot 33.8% last year from three. His career high is 36.5% from three. So he's not far off of that. That was back in 2018 when he became Splash Mountain. After that, he's still a very good finisher at the rim. He still can can score with his back to the basket. He can score pick and roll. He can score pick and pop. Brooke Lopez is a great player, big giant piece of our team that we are missing and – when he comes back, it's kind of like I said about Bakhtiari. When Bakhtiari gets put in at left tackle, that slides Jenkins over. That slide, you know, we got our center. Then we can slide all of the blocking help to the right side. We get Broke Lopez, the puzzle's complete. We slide Giannis back to his normal position. He helps spread the floor. Chris Middleton, you do your thing. Giannis isn't getting double all the time. Drew Holiday, you play your defense. You hit your threes. You get to the rim. Everything gets molded back into place. Brooke Lopez. And then, you know, the other thing with that, too, is is that your bench players go back to being bench players and not yes. starters. Yes. Seeing people complain about the Bucks bench right now when it's fringe roster guys that are playing the bench roles and not the actual guys that are going to be your role players who are all playing starters right now. Okay. If I have to watch Rodney fucking Hood, I'm sorry for swearing, but I have to watch Rodney Hood play anymore i'm gonna lose it i hate that guy i freaking hate rodney hood i hate him he's awful that was a terrible pickup i'll say that right now he is awful i I mean i was okay with taking a flyer i honestly didn't think he was gonna make the roster he could fly the hell out of here now i hate that guy when everybody's healthy i think he's probably gonna be gone he's so terrible and Dude, he literally, like, he never makes open threes. He plays barely any defense. Like, he's just he's terrible. I'm sorry. Okay, you go. I'm I'm all for giving Jordan War all of his minutes. Yep, 100%. All right, so a couple things that I want to say about Brooke Lopez are rebounding. Jake already touched on it. Brooke Lopez has never been a, a big rebounding guy. People are just they're like, oh, he's big. Why isn't he good at rebounding? Jake hit it. Jake hit it when he said the box out king. Because what Brook Lopez does is he box out opposing teams' big man. 
the Dwight Howards of the league, the Andre Drummonds, the Nikola Jokic's, the the Joel Embiid's of the league. He gets those guys away from the rebounds, which allows guys like Giannis to grab them, Chris, Drew, even Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen to grab rebounds, Dante DiVincenzo, who we're going to talk about, to grab rebounds and start your fast break right away. Instead of Brooke Lopez going up, grabbing a rebound, having to turn and look to find somebody to outlet the ball to to start the fast break. That can save you one or two seconds on your fast break, which may not sound like a lot, but that's one or two seconds that the defense doesn't have to get back and turn around and be ready to defend. That makes a difference, especially when you have a guy like Giannis who's just absolutely freakish on fast break. And, I mean, in the Minnesota game, he threw an alley-oop off the backboard to himself through four guys. Yeah, that was so, crazy, if you, I mean, if you, you know, if you want to talk about a, a fast break impact of what one or two seconds can have, I will give those one or two seconds to Giannis and watch him score every single time on the fast break. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm cool with that. And then the other thing is Jake kind of touched on it a little bit as far as his impact goes, but what it means is Brooke Lopez is the anchor of the defense. And a lot of what the Bucks do is funneling their, their man to Brooke Lopez. And Jake's talking about Dennis Schroeder, where every time he went to the right, he had a layup. If Brooke Lopez is in the game, that doesn't happen. No. So all these guys are used to playing this way, where they're like, all right, I'm going to funnel my guy right to the restricted circle, right to Brooke Lopez. And Brooke Lopez isn't there. So this not only is, you know... You're missing Brooke Lopez's, you know, statistics, but his impact is team wide. Guys are yeah. used to funneling their their you know their defensive assignment to Brooke Lopez because that's why they have Brooke Lopez. He's there to protect the rim. You force guys at your biggest defender and say, "Hey, try to shoot over this guy." And then he, they don't then have that you, right now. Then he hits you with this, right? Exactly. So. That that changes basically the entire defensive scheme for the entire team. And we're 12 games in, and people are freaking the hell out. Stop it. Brooke Lopez is, is important to this team. Now, obviously, if they were to do something like trading Brooke Lopez, obviously the defensive scheme would change. There wouldn't be as much switching. There wouldn't be guys pushing... You know, uh, their assignments to Brooke Lopez because his position wouldn't be there anymore. So it would be different. Right now, they're still playing the same way defensively, waiting for Brooke Lopez to be healthy. So when that will be, I don't know. Um, yeah, there's, I don't so I don't know if the Bucks know. It's just going to be a, a to-be-determined thing. It's still um, unclear every time I look it up. Yeah. So, Jake, you made a good point of when it might be a good time to panic, and I'm going to give you a chance to say that before we move on. So, when me and Tyler were talking, I said we get to Christmas, we start, you know, leaking into January, and we're still unclear on Brooke Lopez. We're not hearing anything. We're still unclear on Dante DiVincenzo. Hanging around the 500 mark. Just hanging around, you know, still losing games the way that we are, you know, like against the Hawks and – giving away games against the Celtics. I know we had nobody playing. We wouldn't have lost right. if Chris and Giannis played. But, yeah. um, you know, if we're still losing games like that, <clears throat> then I'll start to worry. Yeah. Um, but until then, I'm taking it for what it is. I'm hoping, you know, this next week, 
you know, because Chris is coming back. I, this is very yeah. important for me to say, especially to Bucks fans. Do not expect Chris Middleton to be dropping 40, okay? You see Drew Holiday coming in, and he's still getting his legs under him, and he's six games in now from coming back. Give Chris some time. He's going to be on minutes restriction, probably 15, 20, 20, 25, maybe as we each up every game. But give it time. He's not going to be the normal Chris Middleton you saw hitting mid-range daggers in the finals, okay? Let's just take our time. We'll eke out some wins. Tyler told you we have some pretty easy matchups coming up. I mean, the Thunder only win against the Lakers, so we're not the Lakers. <laughs> um, so we got some easy games coming up. We'll get some dubs. We'll be over 500, and we'll be just fine. And also, the Bulls are pretenders, not contenders. So just let the Bulls fans say what they want. Listen, listen, listen. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just feeding them the candy, right? I'm feeding them what they want to hear, right? I'm like, all right, yeah, you guys are good. Yeah, Lonzo Ball is great. Oh, yeah, Zach Levine, he's he's a MVP candidate. Listen, the Bulls enjoy your tampering penalty. For real, for yeah, for real. The Bulls are that team that'll give a real championship contender like the Bucks or the Heat right now, because the Nets look like trash. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why. That's another reason we don't need to freak out, because the Nets look terrible right now. But the Bulls are the type of team that gives a real title contender, like, a tough series. I don't think they beat a real title. They're not going to beat the Bucks Fully healthy, head-on against each other, the Bulls are not better than the Bucks. That, I'm sorry. It is what it is. It is not even. It is. That's really not even close. I'm sorry. <laughs> they have they have no interior defense. When the Bucks play the Bulls, Giannis will murder them. Yeah. Okay. Oh, they're like, oh, Demar Derozan's been great. Yeah. Yeah. Demar Derozan's going to be really, really awesome on defense. Like he's been his entire freaking career. He's terrible <laughs> on defense. He's going to get cooked by Middleton. You think Lonzo Ball's going to get wide open threes in the playoffs with Drew Holiday on him? No. Sorry. And Lonzo Ball's a little sissy boy. He's finesse. <laughs> Drew Holiday's going to take his ass out back and whoop him. It is what it is. Devin Booker style. Dude, hey, Lonzo Ball is a good player. He is finesse. I'm sorry. He is a finesse player. Drew Holiday is, has a little bit of old school in him. He could be finesse, but Drew Holiday is a physical freaking dude. Both yeah. ends of the court. That's dude, KD he talks about Drew being one of the guys that he least enjoys going up against. Yeah. And who was it? Oh, I think it was Iguodala. Just said that Drew Holiday should have multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards. Yeah, dude, Drew Holiday is a physical guy, and he was first team know, All NBA defense for a reason. Yeah, he, and he is, you know, in my opinion, I'm going to be a homer here. I think he's the best on ball defender in the league. Like straight up, like, hey, throw this guy at him and let's see what happens. I mean, you can't really name a lot of better players, in my opinion. Like, I'm talking guard, like. People begin crossed up a lot. And Drew gets he gets caught every once in a while too. But dude, he's got quick, strong hands. Like he is straight up a monster. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably throw Giannis in that conversation, but uh yeah, it'd be hard to to pick. I mean, maybe Draymond. I mean, if Ben Simmons was you know, had his stuff together, he can be that guy, but I mean, like I said, Drew Holiday won first-team All-NBA defense for a reason. Um, So the last discussion that Jake and I want to have, and this is going to be interesting, is what's going to happen to the shooting guard position when Dante DiVincenzo comes back from his injury? Now, I don't know if you want me to go first or if you want to go first, 
because we're on different oh, sides of this. So I'll let you go first. I'm interested. With, I see what I'm going to say. I want to see right, your points. So, I know one's going to be shooting. I already know that for a fact. Yes. So there's a case to make for Grayson Allen to be on the first team offense. And then I have a case to make for Dante to be on the second team offense or second team rotation. Like, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this very, very clear right now is that when they're both healthy, they're going to play almost the exact same number of minutes. I wrote so who too. starts <laughs> – so who starts and who comes off the bench isn't going to be that big of a deal because they're going to play very similar minutes. Yes. Now, what I want to say is for the starting role is that I believe Grayson Allen fits better alongside Giannis. And for the reason of shooting is really, is really the big thing. Um, and then, you know, Grayson Allen is a willing He's a willing rebounder, which you know Dante also is, but it's it's really the shooting that fits more on the first team offense with Giannis. Now, what I really like is the thought of Dante coming off the bench with the second unit guys, you know George Hill and Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis. What I like about Dante coming off the bench with those guys is that he gives a big boost to the second unit in rebounding, hustle, and defense. That's what I really love. I love the idea of Dante coming off the bench and providing those three things for the second unit. Because after you're done dealing with Giannis, Drew, and Chris Middleton, and the starters go and get their rest, is now Dante comes in, and he's a tenacious defender, and he's diving on the floor, and he's going to get rebounds. And you're like, what the hell? We just dealt with all these guys that are doing all this stuff. And then Dante comes in and he gives he gives a lot of energy to the second unit. So I'm I'm really liking the thought of of Dante being on the second unit. So I will let you talk now. All the points you made are the reasons why I think Dante needs to be in the starting lineup. Dante last year <laughs> shot 37% from three. That's pretty damn good if you ask me. He still spreads the floor. Uh, he grabbed 5.8 rebounds per game. So we're getting beat up, bullied, offensive rebounds a lot. You know, mm-hmm. in this stretch of bad basketball, but you get your your box out king Brooke Lopez back. You got a guy like Dante flying in there with his athleticism and flying, pushing the ball down the floor. I think Dante's a little better at pushing the ball down the floor. It's just my opinion. Off the dribble, See, that's, pointer, that, though, that to me is another reason to put him on the second unit. Because when you're you know but, you're talking about the starters having yeah. having the other guys to bring the ball up the floor. I'll show you. I'll, yeah, I got you. I got you right here. This is where I got. It. This is where I got it. <laughs> Dante is better at the catch and shoot three, right? And like I said, he's better at pushing the ball up the floor. So I don't know, dude. I don't know. You run more plays. That's just my opinion. You don't have your guys out there that can just manufacture points. Giannis can manufacture points. Drew, Chris, they can go one on one. They could, they could dribble. They can get to the rim, do what they got to do. On the second unit, you need a guy like that. Dante is not that guy. Grayson Allen could be that guy. Grayson Allen can create a shot off the dribble. He could be our Lou Williams. Is really what, really the role that I want for him is Lou Williams. Come off the bench, you score. He still plays good enough defense. Him and George Hill are getting a lot of playing time together right now. So, I am I mean, they are going to play similar minutes. Last year, Dante, with no Grayson Allen on the team, only played 27 minutes. So, it's not like he's playing the whole damn game anyways. Yep. So, they're going to split minutes. For me, I want Dante on the floor 
getting those extra possessions for Giannis. You know, he he you know he's a scrappy, tenacious defender, like you said. He forces a lot of bad passes. That's a passing lane for Giannis. That's a passing lane for Chris Middleton. That's where you know my opinion is. And like I said, he's a catch and shoot guy. So if you want to go one on one with Giannis, want to go one on one with Chris Middleton, you can still have him standing in the corner, standing on the wing. You know, thing that Grace Sound does really well. I'll say in a sec. But you still have, you know, Dante standing there shooting 37%. It's actually 37.9, so damn near 38%, which is a pretty good shooter. So you still have that. That's kind of my thought process with that. It's going to take a while for him to get back. The thing that Grace Allen does really, really well that I really love, he's very good at relocating and getting open and giving a great pass to Giannis. Yeah. Yeah. That I really love. I think he may have taken that from Pat Connaughton because that's one of the things that Pat does really well. I love that about Pat Content. Yeah. I love Pat Content. I need to get his jersey. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'll do for a city edition. Maybe I'll get a Pat Content City Edition. I kind of like that yeah. idea. I need to get a Pat Content jersey. That's my guy, dude. He just does everything. He doesn't do anything like perfect, right? Except he jumps really, really high. But he does a lot of almost everything really, really well. He does a lot of stuff for this team, man. He he's an unsung hero like Brooke Lopez. I, I all- love me. Pat Connaughton. Man, he's, he hits so many threes. Like, when he gets the ball and he shoots that deep one, he's just holding it. I'm like, oh, that bitch is going in. Let's go, baby. <laughs> oh, man. I love it when they like when he misses and Bobby gets a rebound and kicks it out to Pat, and Pat's like, I'm going to shoot it again. And he catches man. it. Oh. Do you remember Pat is always ready. Pat is always. Dude, yes. he, was like, he was like the whole reason behind Let It Fly because he just lets that motherfucker go, dude. I, I love it. <laughs> Love it. So, I mean, we're at this point now where when we traded for Grayson Allen, basically what I said was we have another Dante. Yeah. I mean, these guys are both willing to do what it takes to get things done, and they're both going to play well alongside Giannis. Um, I just think with as, as well as Grayson Allen is playing to start the year, um, he's shooting just under 44% on threes right now. Yeah. So... I mean, when Dante comes back, Grace Allen will still be in the starting lineup just because Dante is going to be eased back in. But, um, you know, when this team's at full strength, they're going to play very even minutes. I agree, 100%. Um, they both do a lot of the same stuff. It's just I think Grayson's a little bit better off the dribble. That's my whole point, I guess. Which benefits the bench more than it does the starters. And if you get to the playoffs and the offense gets stagnant, you can just start. Oh, Grace. Played a ton of minutes with you. Can you hear me, buddy? I can hear you. You said Grayson's played a ton of minutes with you, honest. I agree with that. Hey, bud. I'm here. Oh boy. Oh, Tyler. Tyler, still there? there I'm is. here. There he is. Okay. Okay. Just wanted to make sure you can hear me. <laughs> yeah. I can hear you. Yeah, I just made my little point. Uh, yeah. Whoever starts, it doesn't matter because the other guy's still going to make an impact either way. Yeah, and they're it's going to be very similar play styles too. So it's. <clears throat> now, all right. Uh, it's time. Bucks start in 20 minutes, less than 20 minutes. We get to see the debut yep. of the city jerseys. Pretty jacked about that. So 
Let's and go. Chris Buck, Middleton man. is officially back. So Chris Middleton and George Hill are both playing. So All right, man. we're gonna have as close to complete of a team as we've had since before Halloween. So Yeah, that, that's pretty crazy. So we'll uh we'll have to see what's going on. Hopefully the Bucks get a win against the Lakers because I like shutting their fans up and we'll go from there. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we're gonna talk about the Badgers basketball team next week when they have a couple more games under their belt. And uh Cyburns won the Cyburns. Corbin Burns won the Cy Young, so some justice yep. in the uh, in the baseball world. So yes, I'm gonna sir. go and uh, I'm gonna go find a screenshot of where I said that Corbin Burns is gonna win Cy Young and post that because I was right. All right, brother. Hey, you were right. I picked Scherzer. I was wrong. I was trying to. Show mm, some, we should have a pie on that. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, we'll go from there and uh, Bucks and six, baby. All right. I'll see you next week. All right. Peace out, my man. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.